This is CyberPod EU, the European cybersecurity podcast powered by Sockwise. IT security is mm-hmm. or was, we are seeing it changing slightly, was always the second priority because you do not earn money with it. For violations, Under the NIS2, the EU can impose sanctions up to 10 million euros or 2% of the annual revenue, which is shocking, I think. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our new episode of CyberPod EU. Today, we want to talk about the new NIS2 directive of the European Union and what the consequences are for companies, states, and cybersecurity providers like us, so Sockwise. With my today's guest, Thomas Lang, managing partner at Intagia GmbH, I'd like to talk about this important topic. I'd like to call your attention to the show notes of the episodes and the blog posts on our webpage of Sockwise.eu. And now let's jump directly into the episode. Good morning, Thomas. How are you today? Thanks, Greg, and good morning to you. I'm very, very good. Thanks uh, a lot to have me on your show. I'm really happy as well to have you here. Is it busy times by you as well? Yeah, definitely busy times. We are talking about cybersecurity. Uh, you can't wake up without reading any news about um, yeah what's going on mm. on the dark side, um, which is for us sometimes good uh, because we are doing business with it. But I would be happy to be more on the preventive side to help customers mm. not facing those problems. Yeah, when it's when it's about shocks, yeah, it's it's not so good doing yeah, our business. Definitely. So happy to have you here. My goal is to introduce interesting experts of information security from all over Germany and Europe. And uh, Thomas, you are a managing partner at Intargia, which is a management consulting company for digital transformation. But also you founded a couple of own companies, the first one at the age of 19, which is impressive. Could you tell a little bit more about your career path? And of course, about Intargia. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, maybe just in short, um, and my career might not be that uh, straight when talking about IT and IT security. I started uh, in the age of 16 with an apprenticeship in banking, um, which is the maybe unusual part. And in the late 90s, I was asked then by this bank in, in the near of Marburg, where I'm uh, coming from, if I want to join a newly built IT team, which was uh, forced with the um, topic to transform the mainframe infrastructure into something which was called client-server infrastructure, and nobody was able to do it because there was mm-hmm. no team until mm-hmm. that. And yeah, we started uh, this. We learned a lot. I learned a lot. Uh, and when accomplished that mission, I changed in the 2000s to IBM and started in the consulting business. And this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. since 22 mm-hmm. years right now. And yeah, you are right. I founded also an own company or some own companies the last one eight years ago with my brother and my sister we are having a a food delivery company which is not a hobby anymore Uh, Thirty thousand customers on a daily basis which makes a lot of fun um wow yeah but but, yeah sounds impressive and to intaria maybe uh, as you said we are an it consultancy 
Um, we are part of uh, the large company, which is called Valatic, and we are the IT management part. If to mm -hmm. say it in one one sentence, uh, our natural counterpart is the CIO of a company. So we do mm -hmm. topics from digital transformation and strategy over classical IT management questions. And my part is IT security and data protection, which might be the reason why we are talking today, and I'm happy to. Definitely, this is the reason, I guess. And uh, yeah, when we are talking about cybersecurity, could you recall a, a, a story of a, of a shocking moment, maybe from the recent times? Yeah, storytelling is something um, I like, to be honest, um, because it's it, it is always something we yeah we we realized in real life so and nothing we we need to think about it it happened and one story which comes to my mind is um as a preach coach i was working uh, with a um, 700 employee company um some months ago and um the, the it was totally encrypted by hackers and they realized that also the separated backup system was totally encrypted and restored and they did not expect that this would happen because it was disconnected somehow, somehow not, mm -hmm. probably. And so the result was they lost all their data and they would have gone bankrupt in short term. So it was really clear and the striking moment was that it get clear that the mm -hmm. only chance to keep that company was to paying the ransom. And in that moment, you have to deal wow. with the IT, you have to deal with the owners and you have to... Um, it is really emotional to think about, okay, what, what does it mean bankrupting mm -hmm. the company mm -hmm. or paying a crook which stole our data or who's, who's encrypted our data? And this was a very striking moment because all happens in fast forward. It's in, in hours, mm -hmm. not in days or weeks, but mm -hmm. you can think about mm -hmm. it. It's all mm -hmm. in short term. So maybe this is one of the recent oh. uh, experiences. I don't want to have such an experience. <laughs> uh, maybe a, a bit lighter form of story. What I got now is that it's a story of a customer from recent times. And the one day the administrator, server administrator finds a message, message to CISO. It was a text file on a customer database send, uh, server. Mm -hmm. And the company is a financial institute. So, and what stood in the text was, hey, I was here, you should patch these systems. That's all, that, that was what they found. Okay. And they got no alerts, no logs about intrusion, and no idea about the, the potential. So what uh, segments were, the, were in the network were breached or who, whoever could it be? Could it be an insider? An, an external attacker. So Crazy. this is this is just a tiny story, but shows how how lost you can be <laughs> in such yeah. a situation. In they they had a CM system, I think uh, state of the art EDR, whatever. But then it just happens, and we we know that these things happen because we are not un unvulnerable, unfortunately. Ah, but um, yeah, I. I, th I guess, yes, I was talking about a, a Hungarian customer, but I have similar stories from all over Europe. I, I guess sure. you you sure. either. Yeah. Uh, these examples, I think, have something in common. When we go back to the standards, you will find national standards mostly, which are 
although they are coming from the same roots, mostly from, from the US, uh, NIST cybersecurity framework or, or a similar framework, but within the EU, EU, there were not really clear and really strong requirements before NIS2, and now we are arriving, arriving to today's topic. So uh, what do you think? Is it a breakthrough? What uh, also the EU politicians think at this time? I'm, I'm not sure if it is a breakthrough, but I think it is important um, because there is a lot of discussion about uh, that topic in, in last times. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's great that we also have the opportunity to talk about it because I learned that you have to, to stress a story. You have to tell it again and again. Um, maybe mm -hmm. to to make it uh, heard in the in the open and in the public. So mm -hmm. it's pretty important to talk about it. <clears throat> I'm happy that we can do it today. So uh, and it's the same thing we are discussing with our uh, customers and clients um, mm -hmm. these days. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, I agree. It's it's absolutely a positive thing. Uh, yeah. What what I what I think is uh, this regulation is about. Uh, not just uh, not not just a standard, but it also shows the way, and I think it shows the right way to protect the networks. And on the other hand, what I found that that even the the smallest companies are really uh, working operating international, at least mm -hmm. within the borders of EU. You can cross the borders without any control, and the standards are uh, dramatically or drastically change between two states. You can find find that so. But first of all, since directives within politics are often not snackable, we would uh, like to give a quick overview about the NIS2 for everybody who maybe does not know what we are talking about right here. So the Network Security Information 2.0 Directive, this is NIS2, is the renovation of the first Network Security Information Directive, which was implemented by EU. The aim of this directive is to gain a more comprehensive and unified standard of cybersecurity across EU. And in order to achieve that in the European Commission, so the European Commission proposed a stricter minimum for cybersecurity requirements for companies, member states and their critical infrastructure. So also the scope of uh, actors that are subject to the directive is increased. The former NIS directive would require or did require member states to determine the organizations affected. But now it's basically a game of numbers. Uh, companies with a certain size automatically fall under the new set of rules and also companies providing essential services to say so. So this is pretty similar to the German SIG 2.0, I guess where it, it is appointed who are the critical infrastructures. So there is only one exception. Um, there, there is always one. The, the, it entity, it, these are entities carrying out activities in defense or national and public security or law enforcement and the judiciary. Uh, so these are exempted from the regulations. But for example, the public administrations must, must apply to the rules as well as the private companies so sorry for the monologue but what did i miss and what's your opinion of the widening scope well thanks thanks a lot it's not a monologue it was the the intro in what we are talking about yeah, yeah. and it's very important 
we are talking about cybersecurity. And if we want to raise cybersecurity, I think we need to talk about awareness as well. But it's not important to only talk about awareness. We also um, need to be aware that cybersecurity does not start or end as uh, on national borders, as you already mentioned. Europe, for example, is one of the most vital um, economical areas in the world. And um, yeah, this is a fact. And if we want to keep that position, um, at least this is my opinion, we need to start to act together. And as you said, also small businesses are working in, in international uh, boundaries. And uh, therefore, I think it is important to have an identical baseline for several topics, such as, for example, cybersecurity. Um, so I think we are on a on a right way here to think in that direction. But you asked what is missing. Well, just to mention maybe three um, remarks. Consistency would be one which I would uh, hope that uh, a new directive mm -hmm. is um, mm -hmm. is aware of. The new directive should be carried out carefully uh, so that there is no fragmentation cross-country, so that we have mm -hmm. really one direction and an mm -hmm. alignment with other directives um, which are already on the way. The second, mm -hmm. double regulation. Do not uh, or do think about uh, double regulation and avoid it. Maybe mm -hmm. something like a one-stop shop principle. So if we have a data breach, for example, that we do not need to go to the data protection authority and to the new uh, authority for the NIST directive, as an mm -hmm. example. And the last one, mm -hmm. real-time insights. So it is interesting that this new um, authority wants to... Uh, to deliver a report every other year, what's going on, while we are talking about real time uh, and 72 hours uh, uh, of time to to, uh, to to talk about the data breach. So this does uh -huh. not fit together. We need something uh -huh. like a real time uh, insight to the threat landscape. This would be maybe three remarks, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. uh, conclusive, but yeah, just three which came to my mind. Yes, I think these are important aspects maybe this this all and nice too is just a, a big leap maybe not just a step forward but that's not the end i think who there are there is a good example in front of us which is us i guess they've they've got so they are very supportive to their economy and all the players but but it's for it's a fortunate situation that even we can use those those suggestions sure. yeah, of, sure. of, of CISA in, in, in the US. So how do you think, how prepared are companies to follow this directive in Germany or Dach region if you <laughs> see see through this? Well, maybe it is not fair, but to be a little bit um, provocative, I could say, I don't see the companies prepared at all because how oh. many companies were hacked just in the last uh, couple of months? There are definitely companies in our area as well, all over the world, which are well prepared. But you can't uh, wake up without an, a news uh, article about a new company which faced an attack. So mm -hmm. most of them are doing or are, are not doing the easiest housekeeping, like managing their active directory, for, for example. And um, I can tell oh. you a story here as well. Uh, we were called to a customer with 90 people in the IT department and they had 130 
um, entries in the domain admin group. So I can't Ooh. imagine, yeah, oh. I can't imagine any case <laughs> where you need 130 highest privileged accounts in a company and that this IT department didn't recognize that hackers created the 131st account is mm. totally clear for me. But this is what I want to say. It is what just a surprise. Yeah. yeah, what a surprise. It is just keeping this high privileged group clear. Do mm -hmm. your job. If you want to have a clean house, clean your house. And um, so this is my experience. And my conclusion would be the following. IT security starts also in the C-level. We need another level of awareness about the importance, mm -hmm. followed mm -hmm. by strict and clear product projects to raise the maturity of IT security. Because it's not that the IT departments are not clever enough to do their housekeeping. It's, in our opinion... Something about the um, priorities of projects and IT security is, mm -hmm. or was, we are seeing it changing slightly, was always the second priority because you do not earn money with it. Um, it costs <laughs> just money, was mm -hmm. the opinion, and I hope this change changes mm -hmm. really uh, in the companies. Definitely, it should, on one hand, at least sustainability uh, so support sustainability, resilience, and on the also in the long run, but I guess in the midterm at some cases, very, very much is the competitiveness as well. So when a company is stable and reliable, then it, of course, their cost structure will be better in the long run as well. So it get, it it will be more competitive and will suffer from less uh, bad uh, reputation no events i have just uh, seen a statistics which shows that where every so the the average of of loss of a, a share uh, is more than 7% when when a breach is announced mm -hmm. on, on the stock exchange so it's i think i think it's drastic yeah. regardless what happens so if any data was stolen so another very important uh, part of nis2 is the much stronger focus on the security of supply chain, which we all know was very, is very, very important these days. In the past, we have experienced that attackers take advantage of security uh, wide spots in the supply chain and getting access to the network of bigger companies or, or states through the supply chain. One example was the ransomware attack of Revil last year, we targeted the supply chain of supermarkets or IT service providers. And uh, all cybersecurity measures are just just as good as the weakest link in the supply chain. Do you have also examples uh, regarding supply chain attacks or weaknesses? Sure, and uh, as I said, I like to tell stories which we really uh, experience in our um, environment and uh, mm -hmm. maybe you have heard about the attack against Antigua, which is the energy provider for the city of Darmstadt mm -hmm. or the uh, public utilities company of the city of Mainz, um, uh, along with the Frankfurter Stadtentsorgung. Um, <laughs> they were encrypted some, some weeks ago. But why? Because their IT provider was hacked. So in mm -hmm. the supply chain, those companies, maybe we are not working with them. So I just have the knowledge out of the, the newspapers. But um, mm -hmm. to my opinion, those companies outsourced their IT to an IT provider. And this was successfully hacked, um, which leads to the catastrophe. And mm -hmm. um, those 
companies thought they are in professional hands, uh, which was definitely then not true. And um, I think we need to think on our supply chains. We need to have those uh, in mind and we, we cannot um, yeah, close our um, opinions um, while just outsourcing our IT and saying, well, they are caring about it. We need mm -hmm. to have it in mind. We are part of the, um, the the play, so to say. And by the way, mm -hmm. I think yep. it is uh, pretty similar to uh, what I said about the EU and the need to act together. It's not only the game of one company. You need to look into the whole supply chain, definitely. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's what I found in the last months, just to, to say one, is that I am constantly under attack of spare phishing attacks yeah. and I that is not because they are interested in our company's uh, data or but they but they are interested in our customers data because mm -hmm. we are providing cybersecurity and we have access sometimes to very sensitive network segments so I'm pretty sure that that they are very finely very precisely planned attacks and yeah, thank God we they did not did not have, and thank to the the, the the colleagues within the company, which they made it not possible for them <laughs> yeah. to break in. But uh, we need to be very careful about that. So, um, yeah, thank thank you for this insight as well. So, um, that is also one reason that we need a common level of cybersecurity resilience in EU. And therefore, I think that's a great part to talk about the headline of the week. Headline of the week. It's about a German IT security insider report, healthcare particularly at risk. You will find the, the link in show notes. So thanks to the IT security data by Tetra Defense, they found out that the industry most at risk from cyber attacks in the first quarter of uh, 2022 was by a significant margin, the healthcare sector. And what's particularly frightening about this, that 82% of the security incidents were due to known vulnerabilities, either on the victim's network or through a remote test protocol. What a surprise again. Furthermore, they found out <laughs> that the human factor relevant 18% of security incidents can be traced to individual employees. In more than half of these cases, the employee opened an infected document, for example, for, from a spam email. So, Thomas, what do you think are these shocking numbers or, or even the healthcare? Um, well, I, I think it's not a difference between healthcare and other businesses, because if mm. the numbers are true, and I do not doubt that they are true, we need to face the challenges. If 82% of incidents are possible because of known vulnerabilities, we must ask ourselves if the way we try to close those vulnerabilities in the last, let's say, three years, I don't know, mm. uh, was the appropriate way. What led us to this high number? Mm. And what could we do? Mm. Um, I think um, we see some promising approaches in, in the last uh, uh, times in technology as well in, as in organizational manners. And those approaches need to be implemented so that we have a chance yeah. to raise the maturity. Because if we want to close this, um, this vulnerabilities 
only it is maybe a job which is not possible i don't know mm. or i think you have in in your sock um to deal with those topics each and every day the number Definitely. of vulnerabilities is so high we need to do something differently mm. that's true i in my opinion if it's just solely about a, a vulnerability it's not a huge issue but if you have a a proper risk assessment if you have the right tools you can still overcome some because just if you look, look into the industrial sector there will be machines with old operational systems or softwares which are not patched anymore so there will be vulnerabilities but there are solutions to that you you can overcome the situation with the right approach but what what in case of healthcare i think is missing is is the real um, real really prepared it department the, but the, because of the lack of budget and maybe because of the lack lack of uh, management focus Attention. on this mm. area so uh, yeah. what what you also mentioned today so yeah i think um, this is not a surprise at all actually what surprises me is that in this case they showed only 18 percent in the human factor many many other studies show much more yeah i would expect that uh, as higher as well that's true that's true yeah maybe it's a, it's a positive news who knows <laughs> okay Back to the NIS team. So the directive also aims to achieve a high level of security for the critical infrastructure providers. Of course, this is now more important than ever before because critical infrastructure systems are usually one of the first targets in a time of international conflict, like we are facing right now in Europe, unfortunately. One example was the targeted targeting of European wind energy systems in the first days of the Russian attack on Ukraine. Um, so, what do you, what do you think on this <laughs> critical infrastructure? Do you how do you deal with critical infrastructures? I guess so. Yeah, that's uh, the critical infrastructures is why it is so important uh, that we uh, widen the scope here with this directive and to, to declare more sectors to be part of critical infrastructures. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. sometimes, in in my opinion, opinion, we sometimes underestimate how much it is necessary uh, to make our every day life work. It's more than energy and food and water and health. Uh, the NIS 2.0 also declares sectors like the public administration, as you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. essential digital service or waste management and aerospace to critical infrastructure, just, just mm -hmm. to, to name a few, which is really important. And mm -hmm. I think um, this step is important because it's not it not only strengthens um, the resilience of those sectors, but also raises the awareness for the importance in our society because how many colleagues or, or friends do you know who do not care about their own security in the private life and yeah. how how could it be different uh, in their uh, professional life if they do not care in their private life and maybe one more thing if you allow me to add this yes. we are not only talking in the ukraine conflict we are talking about state-sponsored hackers but it, this is not our real life to be honest we we have also the other hackers the not state-sponsored ones and there is one yeah. good thing if you allow me to phrase something good when talking yeah. about uh, those crooks those hackers created highly professional supply chains and mm -hmm. uh, they benefit from the division of labor just as we do in our daily life mm -hmm. in our companies mm -hmm. they do this with one goal making money and this is 
maybe something like the good point because if they want to be efficient they need to divide the labor to professionals as well so they need a market to communicate to do their business to sell yeah. their products even if you and me and all our um uh, customers do not like this kind of business but it is there and this is the point where we can maybe use at least a bit of transparency they offer to us because they mm -hmm. need to talk about those products and they need to have these markets and we could be there we could monitor those markets and maybe we could be yeah not a step ahead but not that far behind maybe let's phrase it like this and this could mm. be really interesting for us in the future and companies could do more um, mm -hmm. and if this directive leads to the awareness and that the companies will do more yeah i would be uh, really happy if this comes that way Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think there was a nice, a very, very nice example from Morgan Alexander from the last episode regarding the the dark net or dark web crawlers. Yeah, how how you can find find data about your company, for example, if if you were already hacked and you you were not announced that hey, yeah. I'm I'm here for your money because they are selling your your data already. Yeah, this is really well, really. Uh, yeah, frightening. And on the other hand, this is about OSINT, so the open source intelligence, what the professionals do. But I still doubt that I would say more than 20% of even the IT guys understand what threat intelligence is in reality. To, to be honest, I think I was working in the IT sector for more than 10 years without knowing this term. And there were sure. even millions of experts who were already using threat intelligence so we need to develop ourselves in this term and, and the dark net is definitely one maybe the best way i agree with you uh, and maybe uh, if, if you allow me to add uh, sure cases like the one i mentioned Integra, for example mm -hmm. they it, it was not necessary that it happens because if they would have done darknet monitoring before mm -hmm. they would would have recognized that data was stolen so mm -hmm. it was stolen already yes well they were hacked already yes but they could have provided the last step the encryption of data the shutdown mm -hmm. of all the systems mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. this is what we can do so this awareness and this monitoring in the darknet will in my opinion definitely something which will be common in the future mm -hmm. yeah good point thank you uh, but uh, the new requirements uh, also need to be met in practice and the EU wants to impose very strict sanctions for everyone violating these rules. So while the last NIS had a maximum sanction of 150,000 euros for violations under the NIS 2, the EU can impose sanctions up to 10 million euros or or 2% of the annual revenue, which is shocking, I think. Yeah, it's similar to GDPR, I guess. But what do you think well, the operators must do to fulfill these new requirements? Well, when I when I read this the first time, two percent of the annual revenue, uh, ten million euros. Yeah, this reminds me to something which we had already in two thousand eighteen when we talked about the GDPR, mm. because there it's twenty million and four percent, but the metric seems to be the same. So, mm -hmm. I think it's comparable. We seems are to be working, to, maybe. Mm. Yeah, 
yeah, and we are trained. The companies are trained to deal with mm. those uh, mm. directives. So it, it is to the technical part. And what you need to do is to run your IT security is already described. It is not new. Uh, see, for example, the guideline uh, state of the art from the European Network and Information Security Agency, ENISA, where mm -hmm. it is. Yeah written down for each and every topic. How do you do endpoint security? How do you do network segmentation? How do you this and this and that? To be state of the art, which is maybe the goal which mm -hmm. we all want mm -hmm. to reach. So, and we just need to implement those things. And as a managing director, I would like to see a lean management system, for example, which follows the PDCA cycle, which is exactly the same, which we done uh, did with um, GDPR as well. And so we can ensure that the current status is determined and constantly improved over the future cycles. It is not a one of project which is fulfilled and uh, fire and forget. It is something which yeah, IT security is an uh, everyday project and it starts not on zero every day, uh, but it needs to be developed from uh, uh, its maturity point of view. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I think you have mentioned ANISA, which is important. And also, I think it's, it's a bit uh, uh, sad that very few people know that ANISA even exists. And yeah. I really like their website as well. So people please look at any cell website which is our caesar in, in europe so <laughs> yeah. we should support it because this is ours so some tips from me regarding what you should do actually what nis2 asks for is just uh, an average and state-of-the-art security system so nothing special but modern i would say so and to to reach that so i i will bring up some technical aspects. Now, for example, you should have a behavior analytics in use, definitely in your endpoint security system at least. You should take a look on your networks if you are, and uh, if you're not already doing this, uh, a firewall and, and, a, and a virus scanner is far from being enough. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, yeah, that's the minimum. Of course, you should call logs, but the, the, mission, uh, the mission here is to, to create an environment when you can have an overview of your networks, endpoints, uh, applications, and, and every single segment of, of, your, of your environment. And from, from a central dashboard, you, you could be or you should be able to, to view, monitor what's happening on your network. If you can do this, I think you made a huge step because in the case of a breach, which will unfortunately happen, you are in the position that you can tell what happened and what is happening and what you should do in the next few minutes or, or hours, as, as you said, so very, very quickly. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we are about to, to wrap up today's episode, but you might have some comments still on NIS2 or, or any to the audience, do you? Well, Craig, as you you mentioned your points, what what should be done, and uh, I'm really happy that we had the chance to talk about it, uh, which was not only a great great pleasure, but um, I think if we if we have to deal with those directives and we should deal with those directives, we need to talk about it uh, and to discuss the uh -huh. regulations and examine 
what it means uh, for them to be to be practical and how we can implement it in our daily lives and mm -hmm. this is if uh, the EU authorities write those directives we and our businesses and our customers we need to make them alive and so i'm happy that we are part of the discussion and uh, i think we are also uh, heard with our um with, with our uh, uh, um, meanings and our um, inputs to those directives and so let's discuss it mm -hmm. and let's mm -hmm. make it work and happen oh, thank you for your thoughts today i think I, I really enjoyed this conversation and i think it was a pleasure for the audience as well so it was a pleasure to talk to you thomas and thank uh, you to wrap it up, so companies must act proactively so they don't experience a bad surprise with the new set of rules. They also must adopt proactive security measures because defenders more and more face threats from various new forms of strategies that they don't know yet. They can't just rely on past experiences, but have to take the matters in their own hand. So with that, I would like to thank our dear listeners. I hope we will meet in our next episode of Cyberpod EU. Thank you, goodbye, and stay secure. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks and goodbye, Craig. Bye bye. Goodbye. Bye bye.